two-way street, brother. It's a two-way street. Amen. It's hard to believe all those years are, are gone. I know some of you esteemed elders sit there and roll your eyes and shrug your shoulders because you've had friends for 60, 70 years, but, but uh, it's just so great to, to have such dear friends as brother and sister Farrell. And again, I can't say enough how just unworthy I feel to be uh, even considered that my name would even come up to be a part of this convention. Brother Farrell was telling me the speaker list from the past, and I'm, I'm not anywhere close to the caliber of those men, but I just always was taught that if you're asked to do something, just agree to do it. And so that's why I'm here. Thank you, Brother and Sister Farrell, for the invitation. I love you guys so much, and we truly are friends forever. Uh, I want to thank you, uh, Brother and Sister Farrell, the church, for all the food, uh, all of the uh, fellowship. The hotel room has, is, has been perfect in every way. The basket in the room, the airfare, the car, every act of kindness. I want to thank you for your generosity Thank you so much. Thank you, dear precious saints, for the cough supplements. The, uh, all the other meds, I walked out with bags and bags of meds. Um, thank you for caring. You didn't have to care, but thank you for caring. Um, Brother Whitmire, our, the great presbyter, God bless you. I give honor to all the presbytery. And to all the pastors, ministers, preachers that are present today, um, I was watching Brother Seth Goodine sing, uh, and I just, uh, uh, we always, we talk about Brother Farrell and Sister Farrell and I, we leave Brother Goodine out. He was there. He was right there with us. Maybe he was a year behind, but he was still there. And... Uh, the sister that came up here, she mentioned it. She said, to see you all still living for the Lord. And when I was in the altar and I looked up and saw Brother Goodine just singing with all of his heart, it just touched me to all 30-some years later to see friends of yours that you haven't seen for a long time still continuing on, still being faithful, still worshiping the Lord. I, I know it's not been easy for any of us. We all have highs and lows and ups and downs, and some days we're really are discouraging and frustrating. And, but you just keep on serving the Lord, and you just keep on serving the Lord, and his strength sustains us. So, I, uh, Brother Goodine, I love you. I used to, at Bible school, I used to call him Seth and the Wayne Goodine Trio. So... I got, had the privilege, I didn't get her name, but meeting our missionary friend from Holland, Sister Calhoun, God bless you. I told her that I'm a little bit Dutch. I've got 7% Dutch, so I, she invited me to come to Holland and, uh, or the Netherlands. Uh, so I, might, I, I, might, I told her, give me your contact information. I, I just might do that. Praise the Lord. And all of the work, <laughs> I'm like Brother Farrell, I know... I mean, we all do. I'm not trying to say that I'm, that I'm special, but I just know the work that goes into 
uh, putting on a, a convention like this and to everybody, like Brother Farrell, to everybody. You know what ministry is? Ministry is just work. It's hard work. I was reading the Bible the other day, and my favorite Bible character is John Mark. And when John Mark left Barnabas and Paul, Paul was so upset about it. And he, I was reading the Bible, and this is when Barnabas and Paul were getting ready to go on an even further missionary journey. These are the exact words of Paul. He was so discouraged. And John Mark, he said, we're not taking him because he went not with us to the work. That's the exact words of the Apostle Paul. You know, he was referring to the ministry. You know what the ministry is? It's just a bunch of work. It's just work. Hard work is the ministry. And so to everybody that has, you know, from the lawnmowers to the dishwashers uh, and everybody in between, thank you. The musicians, what great uh, Sister Chrissy, what a great job that they did tonight. God bless you all. And to our parliamentary official, God bless you, praying for you. I appreciate that you prayed for Canada, but please pray for the uh, United States of America while you're at it, too. Hallelujah. Well, my mind has been all over the place this afternoon, pacing the floor, pondering, praying, listening to worship music, reading the Bible. And I just hope and pray that I... Uh, and that I am in the will of the Lord. And thank you again for everything. If you have your Bibles, the book of Luke, the book of Luke chapter 8. Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in church? Who, who, who's, ready? <coughs> who's ready to hear a boring sermon? I got on the plane in Houston. I flew from Tulsa to Houston, then from Houston to Newark, New Jersey, and then from New Jersey to... Uh, Presque Isle, but the flight from Houston to uh, Newark, New Jersey, the guy I was sitting next to was, uh, I discovered later, was a doctor, and he was flying to uh, make a speech. He was making a speech to some other doctors or physicians, and he had his iPad out, he had it propped up, and he had his speech word for word, and I was reading it. I was uh, out of the corner out of the corner of my eye, I was, reading, I was reading his speech, and I got about four or five, three, maybe three or four paragraphs into his speech, and it was so boring. <laughs> the most boring speech that I just stopped reading it, and I, I, I leaned back in my seat and closed my eye, and I closed my eyes and said, I hope, my, I hope people don't think that about my sermons. But my sermons aren't written out word for word. Uh, if you were up here right now looking at what I'm looking at, it would blow your mind. <laughs> Just a bunch of sketchy notes and arrows and circles and asterisks. A big arrow. I got an arrow coming like from the bottom of the page. <clears throat> an asterisk over here and something underlined and then a, a word that has a cloud around it. That's what convention, we're supposed to have fun at convention. Nobody wants to hear a, <coughs> a boring sermon at convention. So Luke chapter, and, and to uh, my pastor, Brother Martin, I love my pastor. Uh, I give honor to him. And to if any of the precious 
uh, saints from Tulsa First United Pentecostal Church are tuned in to live stream. I love you, and I'll be home tomorrow evening and see you Wednesday night at church, unless some of you want to meet me for coffee on Tuesday. I'm down with that. <clears throat> so Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 41. This is a beautiful a couple of things take place really quick here. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was sick and she was dying. And I love, I just love, but as he went, that, that means that he started as he went, he, he, he received that need, and he was on his way. As he went. Aren't you thankful that when you call on the Lord, he's going to start on his way? Hallelujah. And nothing's going to stop him. But as he went, the people thronged him as he was walking, and a woman having an issue of blood. So this is a, now he sets out, Jesus sets out on this certain need. He sets out on this certain situation. But then all of a sudden, here comes another situation. The Bible says, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon a, phys <coughs> a physician, uh, neither could be healed of any. She came in behind him. What an incredible story. <coughs> she touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stopped. Jesus said, who touched me? He felt virtue leave him. Who touched me? And when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, look at the multitude is thronging you. There's lots of people here. People are uh, rubbing up against you. There's a lot of people. And you ask us, who, uh, who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. When the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she, that she was healed immediately. He said to her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And while he spake, there cometh one of the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master, or stop the master. In other words, he was saying, Jesus, you can, you can stop now. You can just stop. You don't, need, don't even trouble him. This situation is over. But Jesus heard it, and he answered, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Now he's walking again. He's walking. And, he, and when he came into the house... He suffered no man to go in save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all, and, and, and all wept and bewailed her, but he said, weep not, she's not dead, she sleepeth. I, I read these, this is, I read this story and I thought, wow, all of this happened in just a couple of steps. Just a couple of steps. All of this, these miracles, all this situation <laughs> All of this happened in just a couple of steps. So I texted my daughter this afternoon, <coughs> and I said, make me a slide that says a couple of steps with Jesus. And she did that. You can put the slide up. But then as I was driving here today from exit 153, 
uh, I thought, man, I wish I would have called it Jesus Never Stops because he never stops. You can, I don't care how bad of news you bring to him. He doesn't stop working. He doesn't stop working. So I don't know what to tell you. I'm almost done. <laughs> I wish I could, and I could do it if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. I'd call my daughter, Annika, can you make, wouldn't that be cool in real time? Could you make me another slide that says Jesus never stops? And then we'd hear in a few minutes all of this stuff would happen. And, but I'm not going to do that. I'm tempted to because I think it would be fa- fascinating but I'm not going to. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this convention. God, we love you with all of our heart. We ask that your word would be encouraging to us. It would find good ground in our hearts where it could take root and grow in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. So I was reading. uh, I like to read. I'm not educated, but I do like to read. I especially like to read about... (laughs) great leaders of the past. I was reading about Teddy Roosevelt, the 26th president of the United States, an incredible person, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, just a swashbuckling kind of a guy. If you've not researched him or read anything about Teddy Roosevelt or Theodore Roosevelt, maybe you should. The book I was reading was called Theodore Rex, a great book about uh, the 26th president. And in that book, they talked about uh, this certain interesting form of exercise that President Roosevelt liked to do. It was called, he even, it was called intentional walking or going on an intentional walk. Some people nicknamed it later Roosevelt walks. And so what TR would do, President Roosevelt would do is he would pick a reference point. And this is, this is, uh, if you don't, I feel like you don't believe me. Every time I get up here, I feel like nobody believes me. So if you don't believe me, just Google it. Roosevelt walks. And, and uh, Roosevelt TR uh, would pick a reference point, like a tall tree or a hilltop or a peak. And then he, this is what he would do. He would walk a straight line from where he was already standing to that reference point a mile or two or three miles away. He would just, in, 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 in Perth, it would be really fascinating to do this. Like uh, pick a high tree or a mountaintop or a hilltop, and then from where you're standing, you walk a absolute straight line. Uh, and Roosevelt would go through every obstacle. He would either walk over it or do something. Rivers, creeks, valleys, hedgerows, walls, bridges. If, if there was any kind of structure, Roosevelt would go uh, either over, under, or through it, but never around. And it was very popular. And it's his form of exercise. I have a notion to try it when I get home. All of this food that you sweet saints have been, you know, pushing across the table to me. <laughs> and it's been glorious. 
but I need to uh, try one of these Roosevelt walks. You just pick a point and you just go off on a straight line and whatever obstacle you encounter, you either go under or through it or over it, but you never go around it. And when I was reading this story today, I thought that Jesus in his own way was sort of kind of on a Roosevelt walk. The point of reference, I suppose you could say, was Jairus's daughter. The Bible says, and behold, there came a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue. He fell down at at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house, for he had a daughter about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. And I just love this phrase here. I close my eyes and I can almost see it. The Bible says, But as he went, he started off on this Roosevelt walk, if you want to call it that. And I've got good news for you tonight. If you have a need in your life and you come down to this altar and you present it to the Lord, Jesus will set out to meet that need. Nothing will stop him. He will set out. Just a couple of steps with Jesus is all it takes is for him to perform a miracle in your life that nobody else could ever perform. Just a couple of steps with Jesus. Who knows what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. (coughs) And so as he went uh, walking, Jesus is walking. He's taking steps. Think about it. Uh, Jesus is wearing that off-white robe, and all of a sudden, here comes a man. My, I, I need you. My daughter is sick. I have to have you. And Jesus, the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, sets out. He starts out walking. The Bible said, as he went. Jesus is on now this intentional walk, this Roosevelt walk, if you want to call it that. And along the way, he encounters some obstacles. Along the way, things happen. The first thing that he encounters as he sets out on this journey, as he sets out on this straight line from where he's standing to Jairus' daughter to do God's work to heal this daughter, all of a sudden things start happening around him. But Jesus never stops. I'm mixed up between my title. I don't know if I should call it Jesus Never Stops or a couple of steps with Jesus. I'll just talk about both of them as we progress through the sermon. But here comes this encounter, if you want to, this obstacle, if you want it. Uh, This woman with an issue of blood all of a sudden stops him. But remember, in Roosevelt walks, he just goes right through it. He just goes through. You just got to go through the obstacle. Jesus doesn't stop. He's, or Jesus isn't fearful of what has come upon him. He's not, he doesn't try to go around it. <clears throat> he just deals with it. He deals with the need because that's what Jesus does. This woman with an issue of blood, 12 years, she has this idea, <clears throat> which was a beautiful idea. If I can just touch him, I will be healed. And in this story, there's all kinds of nuances in this story that really make it riveting, Brother Farrell. He and I have been joking about the word riveting this week for whatever reason. Riveting conversation. But there's a bunch of (coughs) nuances in this story that really makes this riveting. In the Old Testament law, 
There, there were laws and statutes in regards to being clean and unclean. Being clean is very important. And this woman was considered unclean. And anything she touched would also uh, become unclean. You just don't walk up to a Hebrew rabbi and touch them ritual, being ritually unclean. But it didn't seem to bother Jesus at all when this happened. Jesus doesn't go crazy. He doesn't say something like this. You've made me unclean. Think about this. Jesus could have spun around on his feet and said, you've made me unclean. <laughs> and now I can't go into God's presence. I can't offer and I can't do this and I can't do that. He could have shouted out, let's get this woman and shame her or maybe even stone her. He just, Jesus just kind of enters into the story. The Bible says, and when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down <coughs> before him. She declared unto him before all the people that what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And Jesus just kind of enters in the story and he said to her daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made the whole. He could have done so many other things. He could have reacted in so many different ways. But it's very interesting. Jesus just flies in the face of all, all the traditions around him. He did the same thing with the woman that was taken in adultery. According to the law, she too could have been stoned. And Jesus just said to her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. But Jesus starts, sets out on this straight line. He sets out from where he's at on this line to touch Jairus's daughter. And he encounters this obstacle. But Jesus just works his way right through it. He's not intimidated by it. He's not afraid of it. He doesn't try to go around it. He just deals with it. Jesus just keeps going. Here we are, just a couple of steps with Jesus. And he does all kinds of these powerful things in just a couple of steps. If you've turned your back on Jesus, if you've walked away from him, I would encourage you to uh, pray back through and start walking with Jesus. Because when you start walking with Jesus, he performs miracles all along the way. Who knows what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. Jesus is not intimidated by what's happening here. And he takes care of this. He takes care of this situation. He's on this straight line walk. Things are happening around him. But he just takes care of these needs as he goes. And then all of a sudden, here comes these messengers with terrible news. They come to Jesus. He's, he's, he's making his way. He's walking along. He takes care of this need. And here comes messengers from Jairus' house. Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. Jesus, in this particular walk that he's on, encounters his second obstacle. While Jesus was still speaking to the woman, while he was still speaking to her, men brought Jairus the news of the death of his daughter. And since death is final, they advised him, do not bother Jesus any longer. Just stop it. Just, just stop. Jesus, think about that with me. They were suggesting to Jesus, just stop doing your work. Just stop. Just stand here. Death is final. It's over. There's nothing that we can do. I have a little side hustle down in Tulsa. I work 
about 15 hours a week as a hospice chaplain. That's the end of life chaplain. I don't know, uh, end of what people are at the end of life. I don't know if you have a hospice program in Canada. It's a government funded program in, in the States and it's a powerful program. And about five years ago, I got a job as a hospice chaplain and it's beautiful because I get to go talk to these people at the end of their life and pray with them and encourage them. And I'm around people all the time that are passing away. I've, I've put my hands, I've walked into people's rooms and I've uh, talked to them, visited with them and said, is it okay if I pray with you now? And they said, yes. And I put my hand on their forehead and while I was praying, they've just died. They passed away. That's happened to me several times. And so I'm around death, it seems like, surrounded by death all the time. And when, when a death happens, it just seems so final. It just seems like this is over. There's nothing that anybody can do. There's nothing that we can do. Death is final. And these messengers came to Jesus and they said, Trouble not the master any longer. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. Jesus, you, you, you don't need to continue on. Jesus, you don't need to keep working in this situation anymore. It's over. I wonder if there's anybody here that you've been praying about something for a long time, and the devil has kind of told you that it's over, that that situation is dead. Who knows what I'm talking about? Maybe you've got some backslid children that the devil somehow has convinced you that that situation is dead. Who knows what it is in your life that you're dealing with that you just kind of stop praying about? You just kind of stop troubling the master. But you, you can't. Jesus is on this walk. He's on this walk. He's on this Roosevelt intentional straight line walk. And he is not intimidated by anything. He, crawl, he, he climbs over problems. He takes care of problems. He deals with problems all along the way. Tomorrow we might wake up to even another situation in our life. And maybe three weeks from now, we're dealing with even another situation in our life. Don't be afraid to take it to Jesus. Don't ever, don't ever get this attitude, trouble not the master. Who knows what I'm talking about? He doesn't stop. Jesus doesn't stop. Even with this kind of a report, even with a very definite report, uh, thy daughter is dead. <coughs> Trouble not the master. But Jesus just sort of ignores all of this because Jesus doesn't stop and he continues his intentional walk to Jairus's daughter when you get the worst possible news when you get the worst possible situation in your life I want to encourage somebody tonight that Jesus just keeps going he keeps working on your behalf he never stops he never stops you can you can if you want to you can come to him and, or you can stop praying about a need, but he just doesn't stop. He keeps walking. He keeps working. Hallelujah. Who knows what I'm talking about? There's nothing in your life that's too big that Jesus can't fix. Don't stop praying <coughs> about it. Don't stop troubling the master about it. 
There may be situations in your life that you think are dead, but the reality is it's just sleeping. Jesus continues on this walk, and when he gets to Jairus' daughter, his answer is she's not dead. She is just asleep. She's not dead. Hope, all hope isn't lost. Your daughter isn't dead. <coughs> There's nothing like <coughs> sweet daughters. I was just reading. I, I only have one, but I, I'm, you know, she's going to be 24. I'm just, I, I don't know how else to say it. I'll just say it. I'm, I'm glad I didn't have some goofy boy. Some gnarly knucklehead boy. Oh, daughters. I was just doing some. I just checked. I got a text. I was wondering if my daughter was texting, and she maybe texted me, Thank you, Dad. <laughs> I was just the other day. <laughs> Just the other day, I was doing some random reading, and on November the 29th, 1957, John F. Kennedy welcomed his daughter, Caroline Kennedy, into the world, and Richard Nixon had two daughters, and Nixon sent a telegraph to JFK on November 29th, 1957, the day Caroline Kennedy was born. He said, welcome to the father-daughter club. What a beautiful club. And now I have... When I have to admit this too, I'm just going to say it, that when Annika told us she was pregnant, I just kind of closed my eyes and said, let it be a girl. <clears throat> I don't want some knucklehead <laughs> grandson. <clears throat> <clears throat> and they had one of these gender reveals. Do they, they do that up here? Yeah. They're kind of ridiculous, but... Yeah. but uh, And when I saw that pink powder, I said, yes, God, you're so good to me. <laughs> so Jesus comes into the room. She's, this little girl isn't dead. Jairus, this dream of yours, this beautiful gift that's been given to you, <coughs> she's not <coughs> dead. <coughs> She sleeps, and they, they began to laugh at him, laughed him to scorn. And because of that unbelief, he put, them all, he put them all out, put out by Jesus. The spiritual implications of this are so profound. Those who don't believe, what a missed opportunity for those who doubted. I don't want to be a doubter. I want to see the great miracles. I think it was Brother Seth this morning when he was leading worship. He got to talking about, exhorting a little bit about miracles. He's a miracle worker. And the Bible says in verse 55 that her spirit came again. And she arose straightway. And he commanded to give her meat. This thing that these messengers, just stop. Let's just stop all of this. Let's just stop all of this. Let's just, there is a miracle. There is a, don't stop. Don't give up. <coughs> Jesus never stops. 
He won't give up on you. Don't give up on him. Even though these messengers came with a firm, direct trouble, this situation you've been praying about, Jairus, this situation in your life, this beautiful, precious daughter of yours, this precious situation, (coughs) this precious, beautiful thing that you've been struggling with, that you've been praying about, it's over. Leave Jesus alone. Don't trouble him anymore. That's a horrible attitude to have. And, I'm, and, and you can even bring that to Jesus if you choose to. But we find in reading this story that Jesus just keeps on going. He just keeps going. He's always working on your behalf. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Daughters are the best. They're special. They're beautiful. <coughs> they're unique. And they're lovely. But in this service tonight... We have no daughters here today who need to be brought back to life. But maybe there are those here who have been told or maybe have somehow convinced yourselves that your dreams, that your hopes, that your ministries, that your talents, that your giftings, all kinds of other things, your backslid kids, your backslid aunts and uncles, other things you've been praying about somehow along the way. Maybe you've been convinced or even you might have even convinced yourself that all of these things are dead. That all of these things are dead. And to just stop troubling the master. Stop troubling Jesus. But the good news is, is even if that's how you feel, I'm so thankful that I serve a God is not like Baal. He's not like Baal. They called upon him. He never responded. But even when these people came to Jesus, they were almost practically in his face saying, this situation is over. This situation has stopped. This situation is dead. Trouble, not the master. How horrifying would it have been if Jesus would have said, Jairus, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I didn't make it in time. And he turned on his feet and started off somewhere else. But he was on this straight line. And there was no obstacles. When you claim something in Jesus' name, when you're praying for something in Jesus' name, I want you to envision the Messiah. I want you to envision Jesus setting off, starting that way, and nothing is going to stop him. He's going to meet your need. He's going to take care of your... (laughs) situation. I just want to say to somebody tonight that whatever it is that you've been praying about, whatever it is that you've been seeking the Lord about for maybe many, many years, I just want to say that maybe it's not dead. Maybe it's just sleeping. Who knows what I'm talking about? Maybe it's just sleeping. Sleep is not a terrible (coughs) experience. It renews and strengthens the weary. Sleep is a time of rest and renewal. And maybe your dreams have just been sleeping. Maybe your dreams have just been sleeping. And it's time tonight for them to come back to life. It's time for Jesus to bring those old things that you've been praying about, those old dreams, and Jesus can come into your life those dreams aren't dead. Those, those dreams aren't dead. They're, they're just sleeping. They're just sleeping. Your kids, 
I know you've been praying for them for a long time, but they're just sleeping. It's time to trouble the master. It's time to call on the master one more time. The calling of this child back from the dead and her restoration represents what Jesus will do for anyone who has been told that your beautiful dreams are dead. The Bible said that her spirit came again. Her spirit came again and she arose straightway. It's time for all of us. It's time for our dreams. It's time for our spirits to wake up. Wake up. Jesus doesn't stop. He set off to Jairus' daughter with people bumping him, obstacles, other people with needs, troubling him, getting in the way, shuffling him around, but he never stopped. He just keeps going, and he keeps going, and he keeps going, even when people walk up and say right to his face, trouble him not any longer. This situation is dead. Jesus keeps going. He never stops. He never stops. He's been working on your behalf for some of you for many, 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 many years, and he's not stopping. I encourage you to join with the Lord in prayer. Pray in Jesus' name. Don't stop praying for whatever need might be in your life right now. Hallelujah. My, my wife has been battling cancer for many, many years. 17, 18 years ago, she was diagnosed for the first time and she went through, she had a lumpectomy and chemotherapy and radiation, and then she was cancer-free for 10 years, and life was good. But then the cancer came back about seven years ago, and I must tell you that the last seven years have been very, very hard, and I must even say this, that the last year has been very, very very hard. She just got out of being in the hospital. The chemotherapy almost killed her. She was in the hospital for five or six days with pneumonia, infection, fluid on the lungs. It was a very, very scary time. But I was in church the other day. I've been praying about this for a long time. And I was at church the other day and the Lord spoke to my spirit. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I know when he talks to my spirit. And I was sitting on the front row of the church, just praying and pondering. And I've mentioned, just let me tell this story just very quick. We couldn't have, I mentioned this, I think this morning, we couldn't have kids. We were married 11 years before we finally had Annika. And that was hard. That was very difficult. And the it got, it got to the point where we were so frustrated all those years ago. Annika's going to be 24. So 24, 25, 26, 27 years ago, we were dealing with this. And it got to the point where it was so hard and so hurtful and so discouraging. And it, it, right when we almost couldn't take it anymore, it seemed like all of a sudden, and there's way more to the story, but all of a sudden Susie got pregnant and carried that baby seamlessly for nine months and had a beautiful, perfect baby. And the other day, I was sitting on the front row of the church thinking about Susie's cancer. 
And all of a sudden, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, remember, remember how far I took you in regards to Annika? Remember how, this is how the Lord spoke to me, remember how I took you almost to the edge of the mountain? I took you and Susie to the edge of the mountain. And right when I got you to the edge of the mountain, I gave you Annika. And then this made me smile because I felt like the Lord said to me, and look at you now. What he meant by that was, not only did I give you Annika, but look at you now. You've got Stella. So you, you were, I took you to the very edge of the mountain in regards to you and Susie having Annika, but look at you now. Not only did I give you Annika, but you got Stella. And I sat on the front row and I thought, what, what does that have to do with? Yes, I said, yes, Lord. Thank you for Annika. Thank you for Stella. But what does that have to do with Susie's cancer? And I felt the Lord say, I'm, ta- I'm doing the same thing with Susie's cancer. I'm taking it to the very edge of the mountain. You're almost there. You're going to get to the place where you can't stand it any longer, that you're just going to be weeping out and just struggling every day with it. But when I get you to that edge of the mountain, as long as you stay faithful, I'm going to take care of her cancer. Don't stop troubling the master. He's still working on your behalf. He set out to do something for you. He's been walking this straight line. It doesn't matter what other obstacles <coughs> come into your life. Jesus is going to take care of it. He's going to take care of it. One of these days, and I hope it's very soon, Susie flies to Chicago every couple of weeks to Cancer Treatment Center for chemotherapy. And one of these days, and I hope it's very soon, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be calling your pastor to tell him the news that they stuck her in that PET scan. And when the results came in, her oncologist, I, he's gonna say to Susie, man, I don't, I don't understand what I'm looking at here. I don't understand what I'm looking at here. <clears throat> There's no more cancer. There's no more cancer. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up because I know that Jesus is working on my behalf. You can come and tell me. The oncologist can tell me. Other oncologists can tell me. Other doctors can tell me. Nurses can tell me. When Susie was in the hospital at St. Francis Hospital, nurses came in looking at her chart, shaking their heads, walking out. I don't care what you say. I don't care how sad the report is when they when those messengers messengers came to him with the worst possible report ever trouble not the master this dream is dead this situation is dead trouble <coughs> not the master jesus just kept on going just kept on going just kept on going hallelujah i want you know what i want to do i want to join with <coughs> jesus <coughs> 
I don't want him to set off alone without me. I want to join with Jesus on this miracle journey. Hallelujah. Who knows what I'm talking about? Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. This altar is open. If anybody has been struggling with a lifelong dream, you've been praying about situations in your life for many, many years, don't give up on it. Jesus hasn't given up. <coughs> Jesus won't give up. He never gives up. I encourage you <coughs> to come to this altar one more time. I know you've been busy praying and worshiping all weekend, but one more time, make your way to the front of this church and cast all of your cares on him. <coughs> because he cares for you <laughs> in Jesus name hallelujah we love you Jesus we love you. every mountain seems to